Hello friends, it is Sean here. It is the 7th of September and I am so glad that you have joined me on this spectacular day. Today is the International Day of Clean Air for Blue Skies. It was oh, probably less than a week ago that Yvonne and I were having a cup of tea out on the deck in the morning in the chilliness and looking up at the sky just marvelling at how absolutely beautiful it is and there are many places in the world where it's not that way, where the sky is grey or brown and that's hard for people to be healthy when they're breathing in all of that stuff. So today's the day that we are reminded that we need to make a concerted effort to keep our world beautiful. And if you live in a place like I do, where the sky is gorgeous and clear and blue, let's always remain cognizant of the fact that we need to be active to make sure that we can make as much of this gorgeousness as possible. And speaking of gorgeousness, that is a terrible segue because there is nothing gorgeous about this time in history that we are about to dip our toe into. We are going back all the way to the year 705 BC for the next four chapters. This is the time of Hezekiah's rule. Hezekiah ruled the southern kingdom of Judah and this is only 17 years after the Assyrians marched away all of their northern cousins and wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel. So if there is ever a nation that should be feared, striking terror into the hearts of people, it is Assyria at this time in Judah. And so in the next four chapters, we are going to hear about King Hezekiah's response to the Assyrian empire bearing down on their little nation. And history tells us that Judah will stand against this invasion. It'll be the Babylonians in a while who will take them away, but this is not the time that God has for that to happen. So let's hear all about what this prophet needs to speak to the king about, instructing him of what God would have him do in this current threat. So come back all these thousands of years as we read together. Isaiah chapter 36. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah's reign, King Sennacherib of Assyria came to attack the fortified towns of Judah and conquered them. Then the king of Assyria sent his chief of staff from Lachish with a huge army to confront King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. The Assyrians took up a position beside the aqueduct that feeds water into the upper pool, near the road leading to the field where cloth is washed. These are the officials who went out to meet with them, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the royal historian. Then the Assyrian king's chief of staff told them to give this message to Hezekiah. This is what the great king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Do you think that mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? Who are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? On Egypt? If you lean on Egypt, it will be like a reed that splinters beneath your weight and pierces your hand. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is completely unreliable. But perhaps you will say to me, We are trusting in the Lord our God. But isn't he the one who was insulted by Hezekiah, 
Didn't Hezekiah tear down his shrines and altars and make everyone in Judah and Jerusalem worship only at the altar here in Jerusalem? I'll tell you what. Strike a bargain with your master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can find that many men to ride on them. With your tiny army, how can you think of challenging even the weakest contingent of my master's troops, even with the help of Egypt's chariots and charioteers? What's more, do you think we have invaded your land without the Lord's direction? The Lord himself told us, attack this land and destroy it. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the Assyrian chief of staff, Please speak to us in Aramaic, for we understand it well. Don't speak in Hebrew, for the people on the wall will hear. But Sennacherib's chief of staff replied, Do you think my master sent this message only to you and your master? He wants all the people to hear it. For when we put this city under siege, they will suffer along with you. They will be so hungry and thirsty that they will eat their own dung and drink their own urine. Then the chief of staff stood and shouted in Hebrew to the people on the wall, Listen to this message from the great king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He will never be able to rescue you. Don't let him fool you into trusting in the Lord by saying, The Lord will surely rescue us. This city will never fall into the hands of the Assyrian king. Don't listen to Hezekiah. These are the terms the king of Assyria is offering. Make peace with me. Open the gates and come out. Then each of you can continue eating from your own grapevine and fig tree and drinking from your own well. Then I will arrange to take you to another land like this one, a land of grain and new wine, bread and vineyards. Don't let Hezekiah mislead you by saying, The Lord will rescue us. Have the gods of any other nation ever saved their people from the king of Assyria? What happened to the gods of Hamath and Arpad? And what about the gods of Sepharvaim? Did any god rescue Samaria from my power? What god of any nation has ever been able to save its people from my power? So what makes you think that the Lord can rescue Jerusalem from me? But the people were silent and did not utter a word because Hezekiah had commanded them, Do not answer him. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the royal historian, went back to Hezekiah. They tore their clothes in despair, and they went in to see the king and told him what the Assyrian chief of staff had said. Gee, it's hard to trust you sometimes. We know that you are powerful and we know that you have a best interest in heart and we know what you would have us do and the way you would have us live and the decisions you would have us make. But gee, sometimes it feels like there is overwhelming pressure for us to go the other way. 
to choose the path of greed or the path of self-reliance or to take the easy way out because surely no one's really paying attention or actually expects us to trust in God at a time like this. And here we see this nation, your people, just tested by these incredibly convincing words. Reading this, I would have given up. But you have a better way. You have a bigger picture. You have a greater love. And oh, we thank you, Father, that you are a great God beyond the boundaries of what we can possibly comprehend. So give us your heart to hold true to everything we know to be true in you, even when the world is screaming something different at us. Help us stand firm in what we know of your character and your promises. You are wonderful and we trust you and we place you above every other. And it's in the saving name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.